You've tuned in to Columbia Calling, your first stop for everything you want to know about Columbia. How and where to invest, where to visit. From the Pacific to the Caribbean, the Andes Mountains to the Amazon jungle, Columbia has a slice of everything. Shooting from the hip, answering the questions that need answering. Here's your host, the journalist and hotelier, Richard McCall, shedding some light on the fashionable South American destination of Columbia. Hello and welcome to another episode of Columbia Calling. I'm Emily Hart and this week I'm talking to the team at Power Leaves who are unleashing the nutritional properties of the coca leaf by creating decocainized extracts and essences and exporting them from Colombia across the globe, working with the country's NASA indigenous community. Today on the show we have Ahmed Shihada, co-founder and president of Power Leaves and Carolina Mejia, VP of Regulatory Affairs for the company. We're going to be talking all things coca its properties and uses, how the company is navigating regulation to get coca extracts into markets across the world, and how power leaves are challenging the monopoly of the giant household name who import coca leaves to the USA and sell their drinks in more than 200 countries. I'm talking, of course, about Coca-Cola. All that to come, but first, this week's headlines from Colombia, reported by journalist Grace Brennan. The Columbia Calling podcast is sponsored by Latin News, a leading source of political and economic analysis on Latin America and the Caribbean since 1967. Their flagship publication, the Latin American Weekly Report, provides a behind-the-scenes briefing on all the week's key developments throughout the region. Sign up for a 14-day free trial at latinnews.com. We are also sponsored by... BNB Columbia Tours, which is a leading tour operator providing a wonderful range of exclusive small group shared tours for those over 50, along with customizable private tours to both popular and off-the-map destinations throughout this beautiful and diverse country. If you're interested in experiencing one of their unforgettable journeys through Colombia, be it a shared tour with like-minded travelers or creating a unique private package of your own just complete the form on the columbia calling website that's www.columbiacalling.co or the bnb columbia tours website that's www.bnbcolombia.com and they'll be in touch within 24 hours to answer all of your questions and to start the planning of your exclusive colombian adventure so that's bnbcolombia.com and latin news Dot com. Thank you for supporting our sponsors. I'm Grace Brennan, and these are your top stories for the week of July 31st, 2023. President Petro's son has been arrested on corruption charges, accusing that he was paid by drug traffickers to fund his father's peace efforts and election campaign. The son, Nicolas Petro, has been detained alongside his ex-wife. Nicolas has denied the claims. Meanwhile, President Petro has said that he will not interfere with the inquiry. The head of the ELN, Antonio Garcia, has ordered all of the armed group structures to abide with a bilateral ceasefire beginning August 3rd and due to last 180 days. Speaking via video, Garcia gave instructions for all group commanders and combatants to suspend attacks. Throughout the ceasefire, peace negotiations will continue in Bogotá between the Colombian government and the ELN. 
President Petro has appointed a former senior commander of the AUC as peace manager for negotiations with armed groups. Salvatore Mancuso has accepted responsibility for the deaths of more than 300 people and is accused of committing around 75,000 crimes. His inclusion in the peace process is part of Petro's strategy to bring figures from across the political spectrum into the country's future. Victims of Mancuso say that his human rights violations should exclude him. Colombia's government has presented to, com- to Congress a 502 trillion peso budget for 2024. The budget includes 94 trillion pesos for serving debt, 97 trillion for investment, 70 trillion for education, health, drinking water, and 57 trillion for the state pension system. Congress has until October 20th to approve the budget. If the proposal is accepted, the budget will be the country's highest ever. The Directorate of the Special Administrative Unit for Migration Colombia has said that foreigners who do not stamp their passport when entering Colombian territory could face fines of up to seven legal monthly minimum wages, more than 8 million pesos and around 2,000 USD. The move comes after a significant increase in Colombia's migratory flow in recent years. In the Women's World Cup, Colombia beat two-time champion Germany 2-1 in a match on Sunday. Scoring in the 97th minute, the win is Colombia's biggest to date. The team will now play Morocco on Thursday as the last match of their group stage. According to a study by Asmani, Bogota's El Dorado airport is the most congested in the world, with an average of 14.53 daily passengers per 10 square metres. El Dorado concentrates 48% of all of Colombia's air transport, and long lines at counters and security controls and the lack of space to sit or eat have contributed to El Dorado's new title. Those were your top stories for this week. Thank you for listening. So hello, Ahmed and Carolina. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thanks for having us, Emily. Thank you. Hello. So we are going to get a little bit chronological in a second. Um, but before we do that, can you tell us what is Power Leaves and what are you guys up to in Colombia? Absolutely. Uh, Power Leaves, at Power Leaves, we've developed the world's first uh, legal Colombian-based supply chain for decoconized coca extract. And this is also the first supply chain for decoconized coca extract outside of the control of Coca-Cola. So we've done this uh, through a novel partnership with an indigenous community in Colombia that allows us to legally cultivate coca leaves and complete an extraction and decoconization process in Colombia. And, um, you know, the indigenous in Colombia have been harnessing the powers of this magical plant for, for many different uses for centuries. And, uh, you know, at Powerly's, we're very excited to, to bring that plant and, and its many benefits to the world. So what are the uses of coca leaf aside from the one that I think we're probably all aware of? Yeah, so we have three uh, principal business lines. Our first business line is coca extract. And, and this is the one that uh, most of the world would know through the, you know, the beloved unique kind of flavor that's in Coca-Cola beverages. And uh, for us, you know, we're, we're not getting into the cola business. We're looking at different ways to uh, harness the power of the coca plant through our extract products. And that would pr- principally be in, in food and beverages and uh, both as a flavoring agent, as an aroma uh, taste, and as well as, uh, you know, 
it's high rich in highly rich in nutrients um, and has many other potential wellness benefits for wellness products that were uh, developing, which are things like energy enhancement, uh, appetite suppression, uh, uh, it's a sweetener, bitterness reducer as well. So uh, there's many, many elements and attributes for that extract product. And then we have an essence product. Uh, it's actually a byproduct from the extraction process. Uh, and it uh, is used for alcoholic beverages. And, and that adds a, a, a specific unique taste to have things like uh, coca, vodka, coca, tequila, and other spirits. And, you know, where you might go to a local store and find many different types of you know, peach vodkas or something like that, you know, we'd be bringing uh, the first Coca vodka uh, style drink to the world. And then the third business line is uh, fertilizer. So our, our waste stream actually is used uh, of the destroyed alkaloids kind of is recycled back into uh, a Coca fertilizer. And the Coca fertilizer has been in, uh, shown to enhance crop yields. So it, it's something uh, I'm sure we'll get into this later that the Colombian government is very excited about as it meets many of their objectives with one product. Amazing. I mean, the plant has, as you point out, been in traditional and medicinal uses for more years than one would like to gesture at, particularly put a number on. Um, and I've spoken to people who say, yeah, my grandparents would make us a coca tea if we had flu or a stomach ache. I mean, there's so much untapped potential uh, that because of the stigma on this plant, uh, which obviously arrived because of its use in, in the creation of cocaine, um, haven't really been explored. So back to the start, where did you have this idea and what made you, Ahmed, want to dive into this industry? Yeah, that's a great question. So my background prior to this, I mean, I'm a lawyer by trade, but my background prior to this, I co-founded a company uh, called Medifarm Labs, which was a medical cannabis extraction company. And, you know, we were licensed in, in Canada under the medical system before legalization uh, of, of cannabis here. Uh, so very medical-based company that, that actually makes pharmaceuticals uh, as well, like cannabis-based pharmaceuticals or cannabinoid-based pharmaceutical drugs. So I've always been fascinated with wellness benefits and, and kind of, you know, the magical components of plants and, and what could be done. And uh, we were introduced uh, and approached by uh, uh, from or via mutual contact to this, uh, you know, our, our key Colombian partners. And, um, you know, in, in speaking with them and, and obviously realizing that there was a potential for a great partnership, the more and more we discussed and discovered uh, the coca leaf. And, and, you know, we like to say small leaf, mighty power. Uh, mm. there's, there's so many uh, applications of it and so many, you know, beautiful things that can come from this plant. And in speaking with our indigenous partners and hearing about, you know, um, anecdotally about the numerous benefits that they've seen for centuries from the plant was fascinating and something, you know, we wanted to take and apply, um, you know, Pat, the CEO and myself wanted to take and apply the learnings from, from the cannabis extraction side to the coca extraction mm. side. And now, you know, cannabis, you see hundreds of companies doing it and, and doing this in the coca sphere is really novel, like a very uh, fascinating new, uh, and and it's just been exciting to kind of uncover the many potential benefits 
and, and ways that this plant can be used in a, in a legal beneficial manner. Right. And I think what's fascinating here is that the uses have been well established in numerous communities in Colombia and other countries in the region for a long time. But in terms of navigating the regulatory frameworks here, the obstacles have been huge. And you guys are pioneering in that sense. The cultivation of coca is very limited in Colombia for obvious reasons. And the importation of uh, coca leaf um, that hasn't been decoconized, um, that still has the chemicals, therefore, that one could make cocaine with, um, is obviously highly limited as well. Carolina, could you explain a bit about how you guys have navigated these frameworks in order to successfully export coca extract? Yeah, um, we, we start like five years ago uh, working uh, about developing the, the, the idea to work with these magical plants, not just coca leaf. We focus on coca leaf because it's the most uh, benefic- the beneficial uh, plant for the indigenous community and for all the, the potential that has uh, this, this plant. So we start to work with the indigenous community, uh, NASA indigenous community that is in Cauca, is one is the biggest uh, indigenous community in Colombia. Uh, in Colombia, uh, we we have uh, we don't have like a regulatory framework, but we have uh, many um, many many uh, regulations that that provide us uh, the the full coverage of legality for our project. Uh, one of those is the the United Nations Convention of 1961 that allows the the indigenous people to work with the coca leaf in Colombia is the only uh, people that can uh, use um, under the legality uh, the the coca leaf so we start to explore uh, to work with them uh, about because of this reason so in colombia the the cultivation uh, is just allowed for the indigenous community in our project the, the indigenous community is the like the 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 first actor or the principal actor and we have an agreement with them uh, the the process is that they they decoconize the coca leaf and with that extract we make our products uh, our like main purpose is to have a, or to give a legal use of uh, this coca leaf, this this uh, magical plant. So we, yeah, we are working uh, in that in that uh, under that uh, coverage of legality. So we are working with with the indigenous community. Uh, they make uh, like all the process, and we after we have the product that is decoconized, uh, we start to to export and to commercialize their products. It's amazing. I mean, not to delve too far into the science of this, because I imagine it's firstly highly technical and secondly, absolutely a trade secret of power leaves. But could you explain a, a little bit about this process of decoconization? The the process is uh, like in, as uh, Amit uh, said 
it's a like unique uh, process. We have an, uh, an IP protection for uh, their projects. Uh, our scientific mm -hmm. people or our scientific team teach the to the community all the process, and uh, in the community are uh, uh, all the all the the. The employees are from the indigenous community. They work from from a foundation that we create, but is is a indigenous foundation, and everything it make is made by them. Um, they are the people who uh, make the cultivation, the transportation, and also the the process of the cocainization. Of course, with our technical support and scientific uh, support. Uh, but everything is done is is doing in in the territory indigenous territory we don't do anything out mm -hmm. of the indigenous territory so that's uh, our <clears throat> our our coverage um and after make the the process uh, we have uh, the power lifts it has another facilities out of the territory. They receive the product that is not under control. Uh, and with that product, we make um, uh, our, our commercializations and exportation. At this moment, we are exporting to more than five countries. Uh, and we are planning to expand our operations in all over the world. It's so interesting, this this cultural right because of the long long history of of indigenous groups having coca as a as a medicinal plant as a spiritual aid in colombia and various countries in the region only indigenous groups have the right to grow and work with this plant um so nasa wala which i believe is the name of the foundation they cultivate yeah. the plant and they de decoconize the plant and then once the plant is decoconized because it's no longer a narcotic it's any other substance and there's a great freedom to work with it, to, to investigate its qualities, to create various products with it. Um, and power leaves is obviously pioneering in that sense. I'm wondering if you knew when you started Ahmed, how much potential there was in this plant, which, which was the product that you started with and how did it grow to these three different strands? You know, um, I think at, right at the outset, uh, you know, our, our mind was kind of looking and, and thinking extract all the way. Uh, and, mm. and we were, you know, thinking about the different ways of, of just getting the extraction and decoconization process done as effectively and, and, and efficiently as possible. And then, of course, you know, one of the, 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 the kind of principles, the guiding principles of, of the company and, and, uh, of working with the indigenous group as well, uh, important on, on both ends is, is environmental uh, awareness and right. environmental friendliness. So we, the essence product came about as a byproduct, just given, mm. um, you know, the, the extract is done uh, through uh, ethanol, water, uh, ionic exchange extraction process. And right. uh, one of the byproducts is the, of that is the essence product. Mm -hmm. And then the fertilizer idea to just is is the waste stream from that extraction process as well. So literally, the extract is the main product. The byproduct is essence, and then the the third one is the fertilizer. And it's just been incredible. And I, you know, 
just the fact that uh, we can use all three of those streams mm. beneficially uh, it shows kind of the again keep using the word magic but it shows kind of the excitement that we've had right. um, of discovering the magic you know at each step of the way it's like well we could use this byproduct stream for this and well even the waste stream is is enhancing crop cultivations and and so on so it's just been uh you know a special thing to be a part of as we uncover all of these things along the way absolutely and obviously in this very complex regulatory environment um you have as a company seen governments come and go in colombia you've certainly been around longer than the most recent government of gustavo petro who who is much more liberal on this issue um have things changed for the company in terms of the support that you get institutionally since you arrived in colombia you know at the outset i would say our project and and the legal framework that she commented on earlier predates the petro government yeah, absolutely and Overall, um, once the Petro government came in in power uh, last August, you know we've seen a different approach, and uh, you know one of the, the there a few key components of the national development plan presented by that government was you know indigenous rights, uh, commercialization or alternative approaches uh, on on coca and the war uh, on drugs and uh, and hunger. And all three of those kind of objectives align with what we have been doing. So um, the government has been, uh, you know, very supportive, fascinated. The vice president visited our, our facilities and sites uh, on, on more than one occasion. Mm. And, uh, and, you know, Carolina is working very, very closely with, with the government. Uh, and I'll hand it over to her with that. <laughs> yeah, so when we, we start when uh, the government was more conservative uh, with previous government, so that's why our project is uh, structured under the the legal framework that we have uh, we had at the moment at that moment and now with the new government uh, when uh, they start with the with all the all the policies they they want to change or they change actually the 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 drug policies control in Colombia because they are not uh, focused on, on eradicated the, the coca leaf or the plantations for coca. They want to give a legal uses of coca leaf. So that's what exactly what we are doing now in our project. Uh, we presented our project uh, last year, and since that, uh, we we are having uh, a really good uh, relationship with the with the government. Uh, we we present uh, this project uh, as a one of the solutions for for Colombia. We 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 know. We want to be more than than a company. We we have like a really a social, uh, corporate social uh, uh, aims in, in our company. We have been developing uh, um, social plans in, in in the community. We build uh, uh, bridges. Uh, we we have uh, we support them in educational uh, plans we have uh, supporting them also with the health uh, 
and with uh, with the with with give them uh, um, em employees are and also give them the opportunity to to access to, to things that before our project they they couldn't do that we we are working at this moment with more than uh, 16000 people uh, every day more and more families from the indigenous community are interested to to be in this project so they they start to work uh, with the with the foundation that they they hire their the the indigenous families and uh, as employees they they cult they give the the, cult the cultivation of uh, of the coca leaf and they also work for for the for the foundation and we present all our project uh, to the government uh, because we want to to like uh, reply this this project to all over Colombia and in other communities. So the idea to work with the with the government uh, close to the government is to just be a, like a pilot project for Colombia and can uh, have more benefit of, of for for different uh, communities in Colombia the policies uh, of zero hunger of uh, change the the drug policy controls for for give uh, legal uses to to the coca and other drugs mm. and we we are like aligned with that. So uh, the vice president and the president are also like know our project, and we are working uh, to see how we can um, just reply this this uh, project in another communities in Colombia at this moment. We're gonna start to work with the fertilizer because mm -hmm. uh, this uh, product uh, is aligned with the zero hunger uh, and all the problems that we have now with uh, to get the the fertilizers because we we import the the fertilizers in Colombia and it's so expensive so the the poor uh, communities cannot access to to the to the fertilizer that easy, so the government are try, is trying in the, at this moment to have uh, plans and programs to to buy fertilizers that can be provided to all the the communities around Colombia. It's so fascinating this this change in environment um, and change in priorities. Obviously, the new government is interested not just in food security, but in food sovereignty as a way to food security. So producing a fertilizer in country that's cheap, that is, you know, an, at origin, a waste product of what you guys do just fits so perfectly with, with those priorities. And also, you know, to some degree, the, the dropping certainly by uh, higher ups, the, the executive officials of this, this stigma, this desire to destroy fields and fields of coca um, rather than repurpose or dignify what coca farmers are creating and, and what ancestral communities have been doing with this plant. So that feels like a big obstacle has been lifted or a big new collaborative 
government has come in. What other obstacles has the company faced? Yeah, I think one of the, of the most uh, principal obstacles that we have uh, is like the educational part, because as soon as you uh, talk about coca, uh, the people think about cocaine. Uh, so uh, I think this is the biggest uh, obstacle we, we have. We are like under all that uh, legality. We have uh, everything like in place. Um, we actually, when we present uh, our project to to the government entities, they say you are you are like in, in good standing. You don't need uh, like a, a special permit or something like that because. Your product is not under control. We are working with uh, some uh, entities and universities that certify that our product is non doesn't have any any um, agonine or uh, alkaloid uh, inside, so it's non under control. We have uh, all the certifications, but the big the big uh, issue that we find uh, every day is with the with the with the people that doesn't know, maybe when, when we have uh, the transportation, uh, even in the indigenous community, the police uh, stop uh, the, the car and when, when see the, the coca leaf, can, we need to explain uh, this because this is more than uh, legality. This is uh, educational issues that the people have, as a stigma that they have with this uh, magical plant so they think right, yeah. this is, we, we unfortunately we have suffered for many years uh, a problem with the, with the cocaine and and all the narcos uh, stuff but um, the people think just about cocaine uh, when is uh, mm. when you talk about coca leaf so that's the the stigma is the principal issue i don't know in, in my in my opinion Hmm. I wholeheartedly agree with that as well. Uh, absolutely, in all facets, the stigma. As soon as you mention the word coca, people, their mind immediately goes to cocaine. And, and uh, you know, after a quick education of kind of, you know, we're, we're dealing with decoconized coca extract and, and the beautiful attributes of the coca plant outside of, uh, you know, that, that illicit use, uh, Mm. people become fascinated and quickly overcome it. And, um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's just a matter of education. As Carolina said, you know, after a few minutes of kind of like looking into these other elements, people usually come outside uh, very quickly sure. and are fascinated by it. Yeah. So it's been, you know, even from dealing with banks to, uh, <laughs> um, other, any, any and all regulatory authorities along the way, right. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, it, it's uh, it's a quick quick educational piece, and then uh, alignment and buy-in into the excitement of what we're doing. Right, I think this is an interesting time to bring in, you know, the I don't want to say monster, let's say giant instead, um, in this sphere in terms of business, who are Coca Cola, because what you're telling me is that you guys rigorously decoconize the product in order to be allowed the freedom to work with it and to export it. Um, from what I understand, Coca-Cola doesn't do this. Coca-Cola exports, well, imports to the US, coca leaf, as is. 
Yeah. So outside of, of power leaves, there's really, and, and, you know, to date, there's only been one legal coca supply chain globally. And, uh, you know, that's from Peru and it's uh, in Peru. There's a, a state company called Inaco national coca company. Uh, and, Inaco sells uh, coca leaves to Stephan Company, and Stephan Company has a one-of-a-kind um, permit from the U.S. government, from the DEA, uh, that it renews annually every March. Uh, and it's the only permit of its kind that allows the importation of coca leaves from, from Peru, from the, the uh, Peruvian government entity. Uh, Stephan Company has a facility in Maywood, New Jersey, and uh, that facility, they undergo, uh, you know, a similar extraction process. Uh, they they would have two streams in that process. So one is, you know, the, the alkaloids are separated and removed and then uh, not destroyed as in our process, but uh, and used for fertilizer, but rather they're kept and used for uh, active pharmaceuticals, for, for pharmaceutical drugs. And, and that's sold to Malincrot Pharmaceuticals. To a New York Stock Exchange listed company like Step and Co. Um, and Malincrot uses it for Novocaine uh, and and other pharmaceutical drugs, and you know though that would be used for like dental procedures or or tear duct surgeries and, and similar things as kind of a numbing agent. Uh, and then the decoconized coca extract uh, that Stefan has is sold exclusively to Coca Cola, and that is coca-cola secret sauce uh and that's the that unique winter fresh taste that you you know taste in coca-cola that you don't taste in other colas and uh you know from there coca-cola exports that decoconized coca extract to over 220 countries around the world and uh it, it, again it's it, their their secret ingredient and this is their loan application for it and what's exciting about what we're doing is we're we're bringing this decoconized coca extract and and you know pursuing other applications of it outside of of the coca realm uh, and for the first time outside of that kind of supply chain and in control of coca cola. Such a fascinating case of corporate exceptionalism that in the midst and for the entirety of the USA's war on drugs, they have been allowing this enormous corporation to import just tons and tons of coca leaf. It's brilliant in its way. Yeah, it is fascinating. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting case study in a whole bunch of things that we do not have time to go into today. Um, but I think another really interesting mark um, of what you guys are doing relates to the product, the I'm not sure if it's even a product, a chemical aspartame, which has been in the news a lot over the last couple of weeks because the WHO, the World Health Organization, um, are announcing it as a possible carcinogen, i.e. a cancer-causing chemical. Um, there's a lot of aspartame in Coca-Cola products. There's a lot of aspartame in all kinds of products, including gum, I found out the other day. Um, how does this intersect with the coca market? Have you ever thought about visiting or even moving to Colombia's lush and welcoming Coffee Axis? We at Coffee Axis Travel can provide a personalized service from before your arrival to guide you through the process of setting up a new life here in Colombia's coffee region. 
We will help you find a place to live, help you navigate contracts and leases, advise you on your visa application and how to open a bank account, and more. With over 10 years of experience in this region, Erin Donaldson, originally from Reno, Nevada, can provide unrivaled knowledge about an area in which she is unashamedly passionate. Check out www.coffeeaxistravel.com for further information on half-day or full-day lifestyle tours and any bespoke consulting required in setting up your new life in Colombia. That's www.coffeeaxistravel.com, where you can get in touch. Yeah, for sure. So on, on the extract product, you know, we've been uh, exploring and pursuing different wellness applications of it. And one of the key ones that we found is that it's bitterness reducing, and uh, which is kind of, you know, the same as, as sweetening. And with a lot of the diet beverages that you see kind of around the world, that they do have aspartame in them. And the beauty of, of coca extract is if it's proving to be a, a sweetener uh, that removes the necessity of adding aspartame to the beverages, then you're removing that carcinogen um, from, from the be beverages going forward. So it's, it's kind of, you know, fascinating in, in terms of kind of like the timing of what we were doing. And, and what the WHO has just announced recently. And also in terms of, of Coca-Cola's own business model, because they they are using both coca and aspartame in a lot of their products, um, which raises really? a lot of questions. I wanted to go back actually to something you said, because I think it's so interesting. You used the expression winter fresh um, in reference to the taste of coca. And that for me, it just, in in so many ways, you know, and I think this is maybe the secret of Coca-Cola. It's so difficult to describe the taste of it. I just don't have the vocabulary to describe what that taste is. And maybe that is because of the monopoly that Coca-Cola has had, right, on this taste, on the use of this product in food and drink, um, that we don't really have the words except Coca-Cola to describe what that taste is. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, to date, we've all just known it in that one application, right? right? The taste of Coca-Cola uh, is Coca-Cola. What does Coke right? taste like? It tastes exactly. like Coke. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, now, and and as Carolina said, we've exported to, to many countries. Um, you know, we, we're, we're working with many different partners uh, uh, around both kind of use of it as a flavor agent and use of it in wellness uh capacities and yeah. uh you know the feedback for anybody who's who's any of the potential partners who've done samplings tastings different formulations and different experiments and same with the right. ones that we've done internally is it's just been uh overwhelming in terms of like the feedback uh yeah you know there's there's certainly a a unique flavor and aroma mm. that that can serve as the foundation of many other products uh from from the extract yeah and I've, I've spoken to chefs who work with it in country um at a much more artisanal level who've told me that different strains um can produce different tastes so there are some that are sweeter and some that are more bitter um so maybe we're looking at a whole new palette of tastes rather than tastes like coca-cola absolutely absolutely and you guys work with a specific strain you were telling me when we last spoke 
Yeah. So, I mean, we have uh, one of our three facilities, uh, two of them are on Indigenous territory, and one of them in the Indigenous territory, we're working closely with the Nasawala Foundation and the Indigenous, um, just regarding kind of, you know, at the plant genetics level. And to date, obviously, just because we've been destroying the alkaloids, we're, we're, we've been working with, uh, you know, the, al- the low alkaloid strains and seeking out the low, low alkaloid strains of the coca plant. Mm. Um, but, you know, as, as you said, um, you know, there, there's a lot of different potentials for, <laughs> for a lot of different palates and different uses. And so, you know, we expect that that one R&D facility uh, for a lot of kind of uh, options and potential to come to come out of it and the research that's being done there. Absolutely. Um, and just to bring in an, another case study that I was reading about a while back, and I think I mentioned this to you on one of our, our prep calls, is that Coca-Cola are proving to be somewhat litigious and have entered into a lawsuit with, um, I think it's called NASA Cola, um, which is a cola beverage made with coca by an indigenous group in Colombia. Are you are you worried that by shaking or, or threatening this monopoly that Coca-Cola has held for so, so long um, that you might be in danger of, of pissing off this monstrous company? You know, I think at some point or another, we will be under the radar of Coca-Cola. We're not seeking to com- uh, compete with Coca-Cola. We're not getting into the the cola space uh again we're we're mostly looking at other uses of of extract and and the essence and fertilizer products mm. um so i don't think you know they're viewing us as a as a risk or a, a patent or copy <laughs> right <laughs> infringer trademark infringer of uh i guess they think they own the word cola um but yeah, it is crazy uh, in its I, own I, right it's a lawsuit <laughs> right <laughs> yeah absolutely and and suing an indigenous group oh, uh, don't even it's manufacturing that that product <laughs> wild. um yes and and that other company um that that you mentioned it's, it's a local colombian indigenous company mm. and i don't think that they they actually go through the you know, they operate more in a, in a gray area in Colombia yes, yeah. without the alkaloid destruction elements that, that we do um, to, to ensure like full compliance with laws and ability to kind of export it. So to go after like a local Colombian indigenous company that's only operating in that little uh, area is kind of, yeah. you know. I mean, artisanal <laughs> fizzy drinks are surely it, not lawsuit worthy yeah. this is why i describe them as litigious yeah. i think it's mental yeah That's what I mean in, colombia, yeah. in colombia you, you can find like in all the small shops you can find uh coca tea uh, but and coca beverage and many 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 food uh, and beverage about uh, coca but uh, coca leaf, but with uh, uh, agonin and all the alkaloids, so they don't make uh, our mm. process. Yeah. Uh, definitely, they don't. They don't make that, and um, they are like doing the final products. Our our products are not non-final. Are just mm-hmm. intermediate uh, product. Uh, we just have an ingredient that is flavoring and also aroma. Uh, and we we expect to have clients uh, from 
food and beverage sector and industry, but at this moment we don't see them as a competitors of our business because uh, we are focused just on the ingredient to get the ingredient. Mm. Right. You guys sell to ingredients houses, if I'm not wrong, which is an amazing concept that I'm only just learning about, who who then yeah. sell to companies who create consumer-facing products. Yeah, correct. We, we sell to ingredient houses as well as to uh, food and beverage manufacturers directly mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I imagine, given that your major markets are the US and the EU, you guys really are blazing the trail on these imports. Yes, certainly. You know, it, it's been uh, interesting just looking at kind of the, the legal and regulatory framework in those, in, in those, you know, the U.S., Canada, and the EU, and just about, um, you know, how it's, you know, I think Carolina alluded earlier to non-control. You know, it, it's not a controlled substance because right. there is no drugs or narcotics in it, and. Um, you know, that, that goes back to the stigma and the, and the educational uh, mm-hmm. element. But, you know, anytime that there's any reach out uh, or, or interest from any uh, new potential partners, customers, um, they, you know, they're immediately kind of um, intrigued by, by the legal regulatory framework course, in the yeah. United States. Uh, co- coca and decoconized coca is uh, in the U.S. regulations, and it's, it's specifically listed as a grass uh, substance, which is generally recognized as safe mm. uh, for the grass acronym. And, um, you know, in Canada, much the same way, we, we'd look at it as a food ingredient. Right. And, and same for the EU as a food ingredient, uh, non-controlled, non-narcotic. And then, you know, all of our, our, our partners, you know, some of the food and beverage ones are looking at it right away for um you know taste and and that that's you know as you alluded to earlier what the because of the coca-cola um you know taste as we know it would would be the immediate reaction and then the more you delve into you know the plant the properties the nutrient rich the effects of it um and get into different formulations mm-hmm. you get into that other applications and other uh you know wellness attributes to explore uh, and, and pursue as, as kind of wellness products, which is also, you know, consistent with where the world has been shifting and people's mindsets have been shifting lately as well, of course. So mm. it's kind of all marrying up in that sense. Certainly there seems to be, even if slowly, a, a sense that the war on drugs and prohibitionist attitudes and stigma towards, uh, towards not just users of drugs, but also those involved in in the the chain of creation um in colombia for example those who grow coca leaves have long long been stigmatized and the new government has not only been at the un saying the war on drugs is a disgusting and genocidal failure um but we also need to vindicate the work of people as well as the necessities of people who are driven to that work um and i wonder ahmed because you've worked sort of with with the cannabis case study how parallel do you see these two drugs and their journeys into mainstream uses and wellness uses and what are the differences if you think there are any 
You know, I think there's a lot of similarities in the sense that, um, you know, at the outset, there's a lot of stigma surrounding both. I mean, probably less so now in in cannabis uh, because it's been legalized in many places Mm -hmm. over time. But even with that legalization, uh, there's a lot more regulation Mm -hmm. around cannabis. It is still mind-altering or impairing you know you can't consume cannabis and 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 drive legally in most in most countries or or, um things like that so it it is still regulated much the same as alcohol would be right um and where coca it, it you know it has many similar potential benefits to uh cannabis in terms of kind of you know wellness applications and medicinal applications Mm. um it isn't uh, once the alkaloids are removed, it's non-controlled, it's non-regulated. It, it would be regulated the same as any other food ingredient, you know, because we are dealing with uh, decoconized extracts that don't have any narcotics or anything. So it's actually been, um, you know, once you overcome the stigma, it's actually been easier to uh, navigate the regulatory uh, framework and 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 how... Mm-hmm the exportation, importation, uh, use and regulation of, of coca, things are on the coca side. And um, again, because there's no mind altering or, or impairing uh, attributes of it, uh, it will be a lot more mainstream and, and not, you know, you don't have to go to specialty stores to get it. You can buy it anywhere and any food and beverage, uh, mm. you know, without also um, without age requirements or, um, or the like, right? Like, you know, anybody that, that has drank Coca-Cola has consumed Coca extract. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's much the same, right? It, it's, yeah. It's a yeah, lot absolutely. less regulated in that context. Yeah. I think, and um, also, uh, the benefits, uh, are more developed in, in, uh, in the case of, uh, of cannabis. I, I came also from the cannabis industry. Uh, so uh-huh. yeah, they, 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 they are more like, uh, they have a regulation, they have a legal framework, uh, they have more restriction. Uh, I think we, we need first to educate the the people about uh, coca leaf uh, benefits because the most of the people doesn't know all the benefits that has this magical plant that are even more than than cannabis um, and also uh, in in the case of coca leaf they are a special protection for the cultural uses and ancestral uses for the indigenous people mm. uh, in the case of cannabis is not uh, the same. So it's more restricted for cannabis at this moment uh, and also have been uh, given the, the, the u- more uses for, for cannabis, no? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's clear that for this project to to expand, um, which it already has done so much, what's needed is a is a cultural change um, in terms of education, in terms of removing removing those barriers, um, and it could also be, from what I'm understanding, a real source of jobs and infrastructure for communities like the NASA community. What are the long term goals here? Part of the process um, 
of kind of establishing the company the way we have um, and, and the key relationship for us has been uh, our work with the indigenous community there. And as Carolina mentioned earlier, you know, uh, in the Colombian constitution, indigenous rights are protected and, and they have the ability to make their own uh, laws for indigenous territories the same way as you, you would see in Canada or in the U.S., um, and we went through, you know, a, a several year collaboration process it's called the Consulta Privia. And Carolina, can you give you a little more detail on it? But uh, prior consultation process where, mm. you know, there's a real level of community engagement uh, with the Indigenous community and, and seeking their input and what their goals are. And, and they're, you know, our foundational partner right. on this. So, you know, aligned with their goals would be Power Leaf's goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's the foundational partnership. So, you know, we're seeking um, improving prosperity and the lives of the Indigenous community. As part of what we do, we bring doctors and dentists there. We build infrastructure. We built a bridge. We hold events uh, for the Indigenous community. And, you know, if you speak with the uh, leaders of the Indigenous community or the Nathawala Foundation, they'll tell you um, of, of the, the population there, everybody's touched in some way. Um you know, whether they're part of the, the cultivation, cultivar families or cultivator families um, that that are often multi-generational indigenous uh, families living in the same home that, that have their cultivation and sell the plants to the Nasawala Foundation for use ultimately in the extract or, um, or directly employed in R&D, in extraction and transportation. They're touched and they're seeing uh, prosperity and uh, and positive impact from the relationship already. And we want that to continue and to grow. Um, and also the sense of um, kind of positive positivity that's come from, from it and using it for these uses as opposed to um, potential, you know, other, other illegal or, or um, yeah. illicit uses, uh, you know, it brings a, a different sense of, of, um, mentality and approach and positivity mm. uh to the framework so that's certainly a, a, a front of mind goal and another key goal is um is bringing the the magic and the beauty of the plant uh to the rest of the world you know this is the first right. time outside of coca-cola that the rest of the world can get access to it in different applications and we're really excited to facilitate that enable it and also you know uh, sky's the limit in terms of products and 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 attributes that can be developed with it, uh, you know, for for wellness potential. Coca Cola famously is a company um, that has been a major driver of obesity in both adults and children. That has had pretty terrible ecological effects in terms of you know the way they run their agriculture, their supply chain. Um, the enormous amount of waste that their bottles, et cetera, create in places where there's often no recycling or even waste management. Um, Power Leaves has a, a circular model, almost an ecological model by which even the waste product is sellable. Is this a model that can be scaled, can be applied to other communities in Colombia or even further afield? Absolutely. I mean, the environmental uh, component like that, the uh waste reduced and, and highly efficient uh, processes is definitely one component. Our facilities, our, our mountain facilities in Colombia are, are made from eco-containers. 
uh, oh. recycled eco containers. And we use hydro, we use solar power. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're seeking, uh, you know, in, in conjunction with our indigenous partners to leave, uh, the, the smallest, uh, footprint possible and mm. doing everything in, uh, in, uh, the most environmentally friendly way. Um, so that's, that's definitely one, uh, big component and it's very modular in terms of the way that we can expand mm. and grow as a, as a, as a company, um, by, you know, simply kind of fleshing out and growing on, on that, on that, in that same manner. Yeah. And the, and the idea of our project that is uh, completely sustainable, uh, is to replicate the model in all over Colombia and, and other communities. Does that, does the, the idea to work, uh, very close with the government and to, to replicate this, this project to other communities, other indigenous communities in Colombia? Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been so fascinating and I really look forward to, to seeing what happens in the future with the company. Yeah, thank you very much for having us. It's been great. Thank you. The Columbia Calling podcast is sponsored by Latin News, a leading source of political and economic analysis on Latin America and the Caribbean since 1967. Their flagship publication, the Latin American Weekly Report, provides a behind-the-scenes briefing on all the week's key developments throughout the region. Sign up for a 14-day free trial at latinnews.com. We are also sponsored by... BNB Columbia Tours, which is a leading tour operator providing a wonderful range of exclusive small group shared tours for those over 50, along with customizable private tours to both popular and off-the-map destinations throughout this beautiful and diverse country. If you're interested in experiencing one of their unforgettable journeys through Colombia, be it a shared tour with like-minded travelers or creating a unique private package of your own just complete the form on the columbia calling website that's www.columbiacalling.co or the bnb columbia tours website that's www.bnbcolombia.com and they'll be in touch within 24 hours to answer all of your questions and to start the planning of your exclusive columbian adventure so that's bnbcolombia.com and latin news Dot com. Thank you for supporting our sponsors. Con chinchorro y hasta 